What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another edition of Trey and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered and on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. It is Friday, February 23rd, 20 and 24. Hope everyone is having a fantastic Friday. And Trey and I are with you until 1 o'clock. Of course, Chip and Zay coming up from 1 to 3. And then Longhorn Misfits with Trey and Jeff Barker will round out the week of programming right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We've got plenty to get into, some Texas football to talk about, some Texas-Kansas basketball to preview, little NFL draft conversation. Of course, where are we at in society? We'll wrap up the hour like it always does right here on Trey and BK. What's going on, brother? Not a lot. How are you today? I'm good. It's Friday. It's been a long week. And that feels weird to say, considering the fact that it was a short week with us taking Monday off for hashtag not my president's day. But uh, happy that it's Friday. It's gorgeous out. Should be beautiful all weekend long. So I can't complain. What's new with you? Oh, just been running around today and it is going to be a busy weekend for us, too. I think I'm going to try and squeeze some volleyball in tomorrow. We're going to go see, believe it or not, going to go see the Austin FC season opener tomorrow with the family. The kids are big soccer fans, so even though that's not necessarily my thing, I want to try and treat them when possible. And so we did find some moderately priced tickets for tomorrow's season opener. Wow. There's yeah. a chance that I am in the building with you at Q2 Stadium tomorrow. And that's the least likely thing to ever happen. You talk about a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah. You and I both attending a soccer game at the same place at the same time. That is miracle stuff right there. Yeah, you're going to be in one of those high roller suites, though, aren't you? No, I don't think I'll be at the suite tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I just got invited to sit amongst the peasants at this match tomorrow. So I don't normally like sitting in the end zone to watch a football game, especially if we're lower, but I got seats and this is part of the reason why they were a little bit cheaper. Probably seats pretty close to the field behind one of the goals. And it's not behind the goal where you have to stand and make a lot of obnoxious noise the entire time. It's the other end of the stadium, but it'll, I'll be curious to get my kids input on if they enjoy the game more or less from that vantage point versus where we typically sit, which is hopefully somewhere, equating it to a football field, somewhere within the 20s, a decent ways up so you can actually see everything happening on the field. Wow, where you typically sit. So you've been to a few of these games. Oh, only been to one other game. It was one of their few wins last year when they beat the Toronto team in an extra time goal. It was a 0-0 affair through 90 minutes. Oh, so exciting. There were several almost opportunities to score goals, but then it actually did get pretty rowdy because they scored a goal in extra time, yeah. and that was the deal sealer. I feel like they blew the whistle to end the game as soon as the Toronto team kicked off after that. So that was a pretty crazy moment, and it became worth it specifically for that, but God, I don't want to see another 0-0 game. Can we get like a 5-4 to four game tomorrow or something, please? I'll sign up for that. Yeah, I think the refs were tired too. They were like, thank God somebody scored. Now we can go home. And they just decided to call the match at that game you were at last year. And I don't blame them for that. Yep, should be fun. Hopefully Austin FC is good this year. They were not very good last year. They missed yeah. the playoffs after being one of the best teams in the league two seasons ago. So hopefully they can bounce back and have a really, really good year. Those games are pretty fun. I mean, you and I are not soccer diehards, so we don't really find much beauty or entertainment in a nil-nil game. But no. the atmosphere at Q2 is great. It's been great since day one. I assume it's going to continue to be great, even though the team was not that great last year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we might both be out there at Q2 Stadium tomorrow. God bless. And then we have basketball games on Sunday. We actually have soccer games tomorrow, too. But basketball games on Sunday that includes an end-of-year tournament. So I'll be doing some coaching on the sidelines at a Cedar Park area school where one of my kids plays. Mm. Hair of the Dog has texted in saying, you got cheap seats because Austin FC sucks balls, predicted to finish last place this year. Having said that, I'll be in the suites. Corporate life sucks, am I right? Thanks for the invite, Hair of the Dog. <laughs> no kidding. That would have been nice. 
For sure. Can I ask what you paid for your ticket? Like, buy the ticket? Oh, gosh. I feel like it was 70 bucks a ticket. Oh, I can check that real quick. Doesn't feel that cheap to me. Well, it's, it's cheap as compared to everything else, and I did want to try and get them. They don't have a left field area where you can just go watch the game right outside the stadium for free like you can with Texas baseball. They might. They probably do. They've really ramped everything up this year, too, as a matter of fact. They have that new train stop that's opening, so we're going to take the train from the uh, Lake Line stop all the way down to the, I don't know if they call it the Michaela Place or the Austin FC stop. And so that will be cool to get to experience. And they've got a bunch of new food trucks out there this year. And I'm sure a bunch of other shenanigans for people to get engaged in as part of that game day experience. We have a train. Yeah. Oh, does Austin have a train? Yes. Cap Metro. It's a colossal waste of money that we are finally going to get to use for the first time as a family because for a while, they didn't even run the train on weekends. It's, it takes a very arcane route to get to downtown. Starts in a Leander. By the time the train gets to Cedar Park and Leander, there's nobody on the train anymore in the afternoons, and there's very few people riding it into town in the mornings. Supposedly, it does get filled up by the time it gets to downtown, but yes, it is a very poorly thought-out design, and I guess it has a little bit more use now because it can help people get to and from those games and not have to worry about paying 20 plus dollars for parking. Yeah, I didn't even know this existed. This is uh, breaking news to me right here. You're not talking about the bus. Like this is an actual train on its own rail. Yeah. Wow. Cap, Cap Metro. Do you, do you really not know that Austin ha- I mean, it's had a train system. I want to say for like 10 plus years. I mean, I see like in some areas near downtown, there's like the light rail looking thing almost like the dart in dallas but yeah I, I never see anybody on that and i don't know where it goes i just feel like it's there to piss people off and cause people to have to stop at railroad crossings downtown when they're in their cars oh every time it stops me when i'm going down parmer one way or the other and i get stopped by that stupid train i count the lack of people in the train and i'm like what the fuck are we doing here Goes all the way there? The same one I see goes all the way to Parmer? Uh, I mean, it, it crosses Parmer, yeah, going into Cedar Park and all the way. I mean, it goes up to Leander. They had grand ambitions for this train, and it just, it's not very convenient. Like, I guess it's a better option in terms of getting you into downtown quicker than if you're starting in Leander in the middle of rush hour. But it also drops you off on the edge of downtown, too. It drops people off right where the Hilton Hotel is next to I-35. So if you're working on the other side of downtown from that little part, which is more of a touristy part than a uh, a commercial business area of downtown, you've got a decent walk in front of you or you're going to have to get an Uber to get over there. It could be a future bed payoff for this show. Is you just have to spend a day or at least a couple of hours like riding the entirety of the Cap Metro train line. Borderline as bad as the Greyhound to El Paso. No, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> Greyhound to El Paso was much worse. I feel a little better about the clientele on the Cap Metro here than I did about the folks that I got to experience that Greyhound trip with. I mean, who knows? Maybe there is a little bit of a New York City subway element on Cap Metro since nobody else is on there. So you just have hobos smoking crack and doing all sorts of other crazy shit and scaring passengers in the meantime. I bet I could get away with smoking crack on this train that you're talking about. Probably. And just no one would know and no one would get me in trouble. Like, no problem. There's not enough people on this thing to where anybody would care, right? So you can just get away with whatever you want. There's no Mile High Club version of a train, is there? Uh, according to the movie Risky Business, there is. I haven't seen it, but very intrigued now. Look, if you're on an empty train late at night, assuming you're not going to get stabbed, then yeah, it's anything goes, right? So if you and your lady are just traveling on the train by yourselves and... Uh, she's wearing something that provides easier access, perhaps a nice sundress in the spring or summer or fall. And y'all are drunk enough that you're going to risk somebody walking up on you, then by all means, give it a go. And I'm trying to recreate uh, this picture right here. You remember this from a few years ago at the Oakland Coliseum? Oh, yeah. You know, no, Nobody ever goes to athletics games. And of course, there's always somebody watching. You know, you think you're 
alone because there's nobody in your section and nobody within 30 sections of your section. You think you're fine. You think you could just make a little love on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Oakland, California. But, of course, there's got to be the jackass who's got to put your shit on the Internet and ruin your life. Yeah, there was a similar situation. I want to say it like a Blue Jays game or something a few years prior to that, too. Yeah, if, you, mm. look, if you're going to get it on in a stadium that is housing a professional sport, then there's a good chance somebody's going to be videoing you doing so. You're right, Grant. The CTA is well worth it to get around Chicago. Train systems that work are valuable. Train systems that don't are just a colossal waste of time and money. That's why it was amusing that just six months into COVID, the city of Austin, the voters of Austin, I should say, voted on some $8 billion public transportation package that the costs have already ballooned just a few years later, of course. And they've also scrapped some of the most important elements of that. Like, I would argue that a train from the city's main airport into downtown is one of the most important veins. Like for me in Chicago, the train that I rode the most was the blue line from our neighborhood in Wicker Park all the way up to O'Hare. It made the O'Hare experience significantly easier. Hmm. But Austin has already canceled the planned train line from Bergstrom into downtown. Now, the good news is that they've also apparently rerouted or canceled the train that was going to uh, that was going to run through where Dirty's is right now. Dirty Martin's is one of the best burgers in Chicago. Yeah, that was going to have to go away. They were going to cite eminent domain and take that, but it's so far over budget now that who knows when this thing actually gets going, but they've already had to uh, reconsider certain things that were on the original agenda. One yeah. good, one bad. Cancel culture. Add it again, man. That's what it does. All right, random conversation to start things off on a Friday. I regret to inform you people we actually did talk before the show, which means we have a little bit of structure on today's program. But, uh, of course, we'll have some fun like we always do. Uh, Trey, I want to ask you this question. Uh, it's about Steve Sarkeesian and his contract extension. We've talked about that a lot this week because during last weekend, we found out the details of Sark's new deal here in Austin. I just thought of this in between the morning show and this show. What's more likely to happen? Is it more likely that Steve Sarkeesian gets another contract after this new one that is set to end in 2030? Or is it more likely that Steve Sarkeesian gets fired before this current contract ends in 2030? Well, this is obviously a sheer test of your confidence in the head coach. But with what you know about Sark, with what you know about Texas, with the impending move to the SEC, obviously our texters and YouTube commenters can weigh in on this as well. I want to hear from everybody. What is more likely to happen? Steve Sarkeesian gets another contract at Texas or he gets fired before his current contract ends. Well, that's a tough one because you're talking about six years. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. Yeah, six years. Most coaches don't make it six years with a given organization, much less adding the first three years to Sark's deal. So that would mean Sark being here for nearly a decade. I hope that happens. The numbers tell you that it's more likely that he gets fired versus getting another contract. But I'm going to show some confidence here, BK. I think he does end up making it to the end of that deal, or maybe not to the end of that deal, because it gets extended, and so the deal goes beyond 2030. Okay. So I think it's I think it's seven more years, right? I don't think you included 2024 oh, in your count. I did not say 24. You're right. I said I started with 25. So, yeah, seven more years. So he's already been here three, so that would be, yeah. Yeah, full decade. If Sark makes it through this new contract, then he will have been here for 10 full seasons in Austin. So we're banking on him making it into decade number two. And that's your answer. Man, I feel like this goes against just about everything I've said this week, but I think my UTSD is kicking in. I'm, I'm going to say it's more likely that he doesn't make it. Ouch. I know, I know. And I feel great about Sark. And I loved what he did last year. And I think... The expectations that are being thrown upon this football program right now are warranted. And Texas should be a preseason top five team next year. And they should be expected to compete for a conference championship in their first year in the hardest conference in the sport. But my UTSD is just telling me that something is going to go wrong. 
And, you know, because of the year Sark just had, he is now going to be a victim of his own success, right? I mean, the good news for him is he's had linear progression. Tom Herman didn't have that. He became a victim of his success almost a little bit too early because the second year was really good, and then third year was a step back, and then people are like, oh, shit. So I'm worried that because Sark had such a good year three, and I'd rather it be this way than the way Tom Herman kind of had his first three seasons, now it's like, oh, people know what he's capable of, and people now are going to expect him to do something very close to that every single year. And if there's a two-year-in-a-row stretch, it's not going to take one bad year for Sark to lose his job at this point. But if there's there's two years in a row where Texas is 9-3 and three, and they're like finishing 13th or 14th when 12 teams are getting into the playoff or 15th if 14 teams are getting into the playoff, who knows what the hell that's going to look like down the road, then I think Texas fans are going to be impatient. And it's not going to be like last decade where you would have killed for a year like that. It's going to be like, no, like we know we should be better than that. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to go glass half empty here. And I almost think the Vegas favorite should be what I'm picking and not what you're picking. Look, it's hard to argue that. Like I said, the numbers tend to speak to guys not lasting for a full decade at a job. Very few guys do so. And if a guy does, consider yourself lucky. Now, CB did just point out, it's a great observation, CB. Mac was at Texas 16 years and didn't win a championship until year eight. So making it to the playoff is going to matter, but it will get to a point, too, if Sark isn't getting this team to the final four or to that very last game of the season, then questions are going to be asked, much like, We've heard Cowboys fans asking with Mike McCarthy over the last few years now. Yeah, it's great that you're having these awesome regular seasons, that you're winning division crowns, but you're not even making it past the wild card round a lot of these years or the divisional round at the very best. It's been decades since this team has made an NFC championship game and you have to go back to when you were born or I guess the year after you were born when this team played for a Super Bowl. So... Uh, that same thing could burden Sark, but I feel like he's going to get the talent to a level to go along with the sort of security in his coaching ranks that they will win those big-time matchups in January. Hmm. Yeah, I hope you're right. I think that goes without saying. I, I hope Sark is here for a long, long time. And to add some evidence to your point about you don't see coaches stick around for decade-plus at their stops. I just pulled up an article. This is from January 4th of this year. So I'm trying to see if Nick Saban is on this list. So Nick Saban is on this list. So I guess this is right before he decided to call it quits because I feel like it was the week after where he announced his retirement. And I'm, I'm seeing 15 coaches. So we'll take out Nick Saban. 14 coaches who will be 10 years or more at their current job starting in 2024. The current longest tenured coach in college football. Care to take a guess on who that is, Trey? Well, I, I just cheated. I'm looking. It's Kirk Ferentz, despite the fact that he probably should have been fired several years ago. Yeah, that's one of those, like, the grass isn't always greener situations because Ferentz is the best coach they've ever had. And it's like, well, he's not very good, but he kind of has us relevant every few years. And if we get rid of him, are we going to be worse than we are now? I think it's a lot of fear that Iowa has, and that's why they haven't let him stick around. But yeah, we're talking about 14 coaches across the country. There's like 130 Division I FBS college football teams, and it's less than 15 that have had their coaches stick around for at least 10 years. And a lot of the coaches on this list are, you know, Army, Miami of Ohio, Eastern Michigan, yeah. Sam Houston State, like places where the expectations are not nearly as high as they are in a place like the University of Texas. Now, look, Mac was here for more than a decade. Like if you do things right, we're going to keep you around. It's as simple as that. So if Sark does things right, yeah, he will have his name on this list in five, six, seven years. I guess it'd be seven years because that would make it 10 for him. We just talked about that, BK. Um, so it's possible. But it's a low percentage of coaches, especially at blue blood type of programs that uh, that get the luxury of being able to stick around for 
that lengthy of a time. Yeah, this is a pretty amusing list to look at here. You have Mike Gundy and Kyle Whittingham as the second longest tenured coaches in college football right now. A couple of Big 12 legends. Both are good coaches. Yeah, Whittingham I'd probably give a little bit more credence to than Mike Gundy just based on big game abilities. But it's a mixed bag of guys at programs that just don't have high standards. And then the occasional Dabo Sweeney where it's like he probably gets to decide when he chooses to leave Clemson, although don't have too many of uh, too many more of the years like what you've done for the last few years, Dabo, or that could change pretty quickly there. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess this does, as you said, God, James Franklin is on that list. He's yeah, been well, there for a decade. I was going to say, you look at some of these names and, like, some of these fan bases are ready to move on. Like, I was ready to move on from Ferentz. Uh, there were some Oklahoma State fans before last season who were ready to move on from Gundy. Now, I think he bought himself at least a little bit of time because he beat OU and made it to the Big 12 title game. But, yeah, I mean, talk about Mac Brown. Dabo Sweeney is like Mac Brown right now. I mean, yeah. Dabo obviously won two. Mac, unfortunately, was only able to win one. But sort of feels like the clock is ticking and people are asking whether or not he should stick around there for much longer. James Franklin, I mean, Penn State fans are fed up with that guy right now. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky's on this list. He tried to leave. He had the A&M job for a half an hour, and then A&M pulled the plug on that deal, so he didn't get it. So, oh, is that right? I never heard that. Yeah, you don't remember the tweets that said Mark Stoops had accepted the job at A&M? Like, I apparently blacked out that day because I don't remember oh. that. Yeah, no, that's... That's why Ross Bjork, the AD, left to take the job at Ohio State. I mean, he might have done that anyways, but no, Mark Stoops was uh, Bjork's choice. And then, like, John Sharp, who's the chancellor of the A&M system, stepped in and said, yeah, we're not doing that. Wow. So I think he, he might have seen the instant social media reaction because there was that first tweet that went out that said Stoops is, like, about to be the next head coach at Aggieland. And then A&M fans were like, F that. And college football fans were kind of laughing at them, like, really? Like, you just paid this ginormous buyout to Jimbo, and you're going to hire, like, this Stoops brother? Not bought this one? And well, it's not Mike, at least, I guess. I mean, he's been decent at Kentucky, which is, speaking of programs with no expectations. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the longest tenured head coach and winningest head coach in Kentucky history, so... He's done some good things there, but yeah, he was he was trying to leave. I don't know if Kentucky was ready to fire him. They obviously kept him even after the flirtation with the Aggies, but um, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. So that was an awkward next day in Lexington. I bet it was uh, probably a weird couple of weeks for Ross Bjork in College Station before he found a very soft landing spot. You might have left. He might have gotten fired or something the way that thing went down, but. He was able to somehow get that uh, Ohio State AD job. That's worked out well for him. So, anyways, that was my thought. I might ask Bucky that question on Monday. I think it's a, a fair question for any Longhorn fan, right? Like, how? what's more likely to happen? Sark gets another new contract at Texas that keeps him here beyond 2030, or he doesn't even make it to the end of this current deal. Mm. All right. Let's, uh, before we shift gears and get into some Texas basketball, huge game for the Longhorns tomorrow in Lawrence. Uh, Trey, I'll give you the floor first. How about uh, a shout out to our friends over at Big Hat? Yes, Big Hat Spirits, BigHatSpirits.com. And Big Hat Spirits is redefining that cocktail in a can. They're doing so by offering a bunch of different really good flavors to go along with very low BS and all of their beverages, real alcohol, real kombucha, while having no syrups, no gluten, they're non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits, flavors like ranch water, jalapeno ranch water, the margarita, that prickly pear paloma, the blackberry smoke, the Texas mule, and for you non-alcohol fans, that margarita mocktail. Go to BigHatSpirits.com to find out more info. Most importantly, scroll down from the top of BigHatSpirits.com, the website. You'll see a map of Central Texas and a bunch of little Big Hat icons all over that map. That helps you know where you can find Big Hat Cocktails in a Can. BigHatSpirits.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to them. And also, a word from our man, Tom McKay, over at Audio Visual Consultations. This is Tom McKay, owner of Audio Visual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. 
For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. Or online at avconsultations.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom McKay was texting me earlier today. He invited me to the Longhorn baseball game tomorrow afternoon at the Dish. And I've got a friend's birthday party, so I told him I couldn't go, and he called me a pussy. Wow. Okay. I'm like, that yeah. Up real quickly. <laughs> that afternoon UT baseball game, and then go watch the Austin FC after that. That's two slow moving sports there. Yeah, that's a that's a long day right there. Um, and look, I I would have gone with him. Love Tom. Love Texas baseball. Love going to those games. I legitimately have another conflict, something that I committed to a while ago, but. Yeah, he uh, he called me out for saying no to him very quickly. And then he says, I'm the one who watches that girly basketball shit. And he's women's right. Basketball? I do watch some women's basketball, but Tom's not a basketball fan. Men's, women's, college, NBA, it does not matter. So I right. tend to side with him. I know. I know, indeed. All right, before we get to that girly basketball shit, uh, a couple of comments. Sark fired next year and they bring back the Buck. Now that'd be a disaster. Jeez. Imagine Bucky, really in any era of college football, but especially in this era being the head coach, the University of Texas. What a disaster. That would not end well for that program. No, more for him, I think. No, Jason, it'd be terrible for him. Jason says, I think Steve gets the extension on his contract three years from now. There you go. I mean, that's the ultimate glass half full right there as he gets an extension before his current deal even comes close to ending. That'll happen. If Sark wins a national championship next year, he'll get a new contract. Even though he'll be like one year into the deal he just signed, if he goes out and wins a natty, they will make him the highest paid coach in the sport. Even though Kirby's got two, even though Dabo's got two, those are the two guys ahead of him right now. Sark wins it in 2025. He will be number one on that list. You're probably right, but I, I I don't think that's necessary either. No. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Yes. Oh. It's sterile after all. <laughs> oh, but it's sterile and I like the taste. Glad you got that reference. Uh, okay. And a quick text on the code of text line 512-222-9328. Going back to the Cap Metro that we talked about earlier today. 737 number says... Every time I've taken the Cap Metro, I've taken a beer on the train. No problem. There you go. Smoking crack on the train, probably not that big of an issue. Yeah, those are about the same things. All right, Texas basketball. Trey, they've got an opportunity to pick up their biggest win of the season tomorrow. They've had a few of those opportunities against Houston in the last few weeks. Unfortunately, they went 0-2 against Houston. One of those games was close. The game last weekend on the road, uh, far from close. But the Longhorns on the road taking on ninth-ranked Kansas tomorrow, a 5 o'clock tip on ESPN. So no uh, LG you're going to have to worry about on the broadcasting team. Uh, Kansas is 13-0 at home. That's the bad news, Trey. But Texas has won five of its last seven games against Kansas. And Kansas, this Kansas team is very flawed. And once again, they, they have not been flawed enough to lose a game at Allen Fieldhouse, which continues to be one of the toughest venues in the sport. But this is not your older brother's Jayhawks. Like, this is not a national championship contending Kansas team. They're not going to win the Big 12, which is crazy talk considering how much they've won it in the last, I don't know, two decades. So an opportunity for Texas. It won't be easy. They're going to be underdogs. But, man, they, they can get this Kansas team. And if they do so, they probably cement themselves in the NCAA tournament field of 68. So the first question, I guess, for how Texas matches up with this Kansas team, BK, and you know, because you watch both of these teams closely, you're a fan of both of these teams, is 
How does Texas defend Hunter the Center? Yeah, Hunter the Center. Yeah, that's his last name, actually. It says the center on the back of his jersey. Um, I, I'm curious to see how that works. Like, it, It's probably Dylan DeSue on Hunter Dickinson because Dickinson is a guy who can shoot the three. Like He can stretch the floor as a big, and Dylan DeSue obviously does that on offense, but he's quick and agile enough defensively to where he can do the same thing. Now, the risk you run with that is Dylan DeSue gets in foul trouble by trying to guard Hunter Dickinson. And then, you know, if DeSue picks up two quick fouls tomorrow and he's got to ride the pine for a large portion of the first half, that's how this game gets out of hand. This Kansas team isn't capable of doing what Houston did to Texas last week. They're, they're just not that good. But that's how Kansas gets a double-digit lead and Texas is playing catch-up all day long. So... I think the Sioux is the best matchup for Hunter Dickinson, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe Dylan Mitchell gets some run because he's obviously tall and long enough to stay with him and he's athletic enough to stay with him as well. Uh, when Caden Shedrick is in, I mean, he comes off the bench, he'll get you 10 to 20 minutes in this game tomorrow if he's playing well. He's the guy who's got some size too, and he's a pretty strong defender. So he might get some run there, but. Yeah, that's that's a big question. I think the Sue's the best matchup, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the other Dylan because he's just not as important to Texas's success as Dylan the Sue is, and you can't risk that guy picking up some early fouls. You probably see both guys going at him at times just to give some different looks, and both are really good laterally, and both have great athleticism too. Hopefully, I I want to or I should say I hope it is Dylan Mitchell a little bit more than DeSue, just to preserve DeSue a little bit on offense because obviously regardless of what DeSue does offensively, you're going to need to get more consistent scoring out of an ace miss or a hunter or uh, some combination of those guys and, and maybe somebody else as well. But they're going to need DeSue's scoring prowess uh, to be effective tomorrow to have a chance to win this game. So you don't want to drain him on the defensive end, which is what would happen if he's on Dickinson too much. Yeah, and that's like, I think I would start the game with DeSue on Dickinson, and as soon as he picks up the first foul, I'm making the change. Yeah. Like, if the first foul happens with like six minutes and a half, that's fine. But if DeSue picks up a foul in the first five minutes guarding Hunter Dickinson, then it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're switching this up. We're going to put him on K.J. Adams or somebody else, Austin's own K.J. Adams, by the way, and just saying, hey, like, yeah, we, we cannot risk uh, you sitting on the bench for a large part of this first half. And then I'll answer the other question. I don't know if you were going to ask this, but, I mean, Kansas, they've got two great players. Johnny Furphy, the Australian freshman. I don't know how good his English is. We probably couldn't have him on this show because of the language barrier that exists between Australia and America. Don't forget that. Uh, that guy's a problem. But Kevin McCuller Jr. is, you know, first-team, all-big 12 caliber player. I, I think Kendall Weaver's the guy for that matchup. And with what Kendall Weaver has done as an on-ball defender – uh, since really being inserted into the starting lineup a few weeks ago, he's been very, very good. So he's a pest. He gets in your face. He's quick enough, I think, to hang with McCuller. He's got this length to make life relatively tough on him. I think you've got a pretty good matchup for uh, the other great player on this Kansas team. So that's uh, I think Weaver, he might not score a lot tomorrow, and he's not known for being a huge threat on offense, but he, he could be one of the most important, if not the most important players for this Texas team tomorrow afternoon. I'm not holding my breath on Texas winning this game tomorrow. I yeah. They've been pretty good in this series in the last few years, and they've been a decent team on the road in conference play this year, but we haven't seen them go up against many truly good teams this season, neutral side or on the road. A few examples we do have, though, Texas tends to get run out of the building. UConn earlier this season, Marquette, Houston, last weekend and i think we see something similar against kansas tomorrow yeah that's fair that's fair i mean most of texas's best opponents have beaten this team pretty good obviously they took houston to overtime in one of those two matchups uh but that was a game in austin we saw what happened on the road and that was a game that they all were also getting worked before they uh really got their shit together in the second half too yeah yeah that's fair so they've got the nice win over baylor that's Probably the best win on the year to this point. The the blowout victory at Oklahoma was pretty impressive too. And you, know, you always enjoy beating Oklahoma like that. Uh, but yeah, tomorrow would be their biggest win. And Ken Palm has this as a six-point loss. My guess is the Vegas line will be around seven or eight 
in favor of Kansas. So, you know, it was 10 and a half last week at Houston. Texas didn't even come close to covering, let alone winning. Uh, I think Texas can cover. I really do. But betting against Kansas in their building is uh, is always scary. And look, I know Texas, I know Rodney Terry got the better of Bill Self last year. A couple of times, Texas was 2-1 and one against Kansas, including that beatdown in the Big 12 championship game in Kansas City. But God, in a close game, which I think this will be, who are you siding with on the sideline? The two-time national champion Hall of Famer or Rodney Terry? It's like a pretty easy one. Say, who are you siding with in a close game on the sideline? The two-time national champion Hall of Fame coach or Rodney Terry? Not Rodney Terry. Yeah, sorry about that one, RT. So it's possible. This Kansas team has flaws. Uh, offensively, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country, but offensively, if you can kind of neutralize Dickinson and McCuller, you can get either one of them in foul trouble, then that's your best chance to win because they're just not getting enough scoring from anybody outside of those two and maybe Johnny Furphy. They've got some serious depth issues as well. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a tall task for the Longhorns to go in there and get a win tomorrow. We'll see. It'll be a huge one, once again, for Texas as they start their final five-game stretch of the regular season. Okay, uh, before we get to some NFL stuff, Justin Fields with some very interesting comments on a recent podcast appearance. And he also did something on social media that has people asking a lot of questions. Let's let you hear from and see our friends at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Yes, indeed. Shout out to the Coverts. Also, some love to bet U.S. If you think Texas is going to pull off the upset tomorrow and you want to put your money where your mouth is, you can go to bet U.S. and place a bet on that game right now. It's not just the Texas-Kansas game. Every college basketball game. They've got the UFC. They've got golf. They've got Major League Baseball. They've got everything. Hell, you can already place a futures bet on Texas to win the national championship in college football this coming season. They've got you covered at BetUS. It's so easy to sign up. If you're watching on YouTube, just click the link in the video description below. If you're listening on the app, just click the link in the Explore Our Socials portion of the homepage. Sign up. You make an account. Very easy to do. You deposit 50 bucks or more, and you'll be on your way to winning. No, oh, by the way, our friends at BetUS, they're going to match your first deposit, so they're literally going to give you free money, so you have the chance to win even more free money. And uh, boom, in the blink of an eye, you will be ready to bet on the biggest sporting events of the year, all year round. It is Bet US where the game begins. All right, Trey, some NFL stuff. Uh, I, I think the biggest storyline, you tell me if you disagree with me, but it feels to me that the biggest storyline of the NFL offseason is what the Chicago Bears are going to do at quarterback, mm -hmm. right? Like they've got Justin Fields still under contract for a couple years. They spent a first-round pick on him. He's shown some good, some bad. But the Bears also have the number one pick in a draft that seems to be loaded with quarterback talent at the top. So nobody's exactly sure what they're going to do. But that, to me, feels like the biggest offseason storyline. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I'd say so because the team is potentially getting a franchise quarterback and making that deal, and the Bears can – uh, further set themselves up for future success by pulling off the right trade. Justin Fields should garner a first-round pick. Now, it's not going to be what they would get for trading away that number one overall draft pick so somebody else can select Caleb Williams. But, yeah, that that is the big storyline. I mean, there are some free agent names that I think will elicit a lot of interest, too. But, yes, the Justin Fields storyline is the biggest. You think Justin Fields will net the Bears at first? Probably. Mm. It may it won't be a, a top of the top of the draft first rounder, but middle to end of the first round, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got to look at more trade projections out there. Uh, I like I, I'm not giving up a first for Justin Fields because part of it has to do with the talent. Like I'm just not a believer in Justin Fields. I'll eat my yeah. words if I'm wrong, and I'll have a lot of words I'll have to eat because I've been really saying that since he came out of college. But you only get him for a couple of years, then you're gonna have to pay him 
And like, you might have to pay him. If he goes out and has a really good year for you, you're going to have to invest in him next off season, which, Hey, if he turns out to be a franchise quarterback, you're going to want to invest in him, but giving up a first for a guy who, yeah, you only have under contract for two years and a guy you might have to pay after one. That scares me a little bit, but Hey, NFL teams are desperate for quarterbacks. So if, if somebody thinks Justin Fields can be their guy, uh, they will absolutely make that happen. So Justin Fields, here's where we are. Here's where we're at in society today, Trey. Uh, Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on his Instagram account. And that became a massive, massive story. It's like, oh, Justin Fields wants out. Or, oh, the Bears have already talked to Justin Fields and they told him he's out. And, oh, my God, the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams number one overall. And Fields is done. Who's going to trade for Justin Fields? That all started just by one simple click on the Instagram app. Well, Justin Fields was on the St. Browns show. That's with Amonra and Equinemius St. Brown. Of course, two brothers who are receivers in the NFL. Uh, yes, they're brothers. They're also brothers, too, for those curious at home. Uh, here was Justin Fields kind of going back and forth with the St. Browns on his decision to unfollow the Bears on social media. Are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Right? Mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You That's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears this morning now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. Mm. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either Keith Fields. We want Fields. See the drive Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. All right. So there you go. So a lot of back and forth there. Justin Fields basically said it's not that big of a deal. It's my off season. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see the Bears. I also unfollowed the NFL. I don't want to see football stuff on my timeline. But then at the end, he's just like, I, I just want it to be over, which I understand because his name is being thrown around, around by everyone and their mother right now. But do you put any stock into those comments, any stock into the unfollowing on Instagram? And where do you think the Bears are at with this decision right now? The Bears are probably leaning towards trading Justin Fields. I, I don't fault him necessarily for not wanting football on his timeline in the offseason. But you also have to understand the optics of how that's going to look. And so they credit to those guys for asking him about it. They asked him and he gave an answer. I feel like part of it was a little bit personal with him unfollowing the Bears. Maybe he tried to neutralize it by unfollowing the NFL too, but... I don't know. Maybe Justin Fields hasn't figured out the uh, how to mute specific words from your timeline, which is something that I found four or five years ago and has made Twitter much more digestible. And look, Justin, here's a great piece of advice to make that offseason even more relaxing. Just get off Twitter altogether. You know, mm. just uh, just log off, get an Instagram account, follow some people on Instagram. Well, that's Do what he's talking veil, about under the veil of anonymity. Make an anonymous Twitter account that allows you to follow those who you want to follow. Mm. But ultimately, he probably wants to stay in contact with certain people on Twitter. So this is the route that he has chosen. Well, this is Instagram. I don't know if he unfollowed anybody on Twitter, but all of this is about Instagram. Oh, it is. Excuse me. I, I apologize. I missed the Instagram part. So, yeah, it's... Uh, you know what? That, that actually does make a little bit of a difference. The fact that it's Instagram and not Twitter, because you're only seeing what you're following on Instagram. And so the number of people or the the shit that that I don't know what the what the what Instagram uh, what the Bears Instagram is posting. So are they posting stuff specifically about the number one draft pick and who should we take and should we make a trade? If they're doing stuff like that, then I don't fault them at all for just wanting to block out the noise. And the NFL, maybe he just does want to get away from football. NFL is going to be very football-heavy content. Maybe he just wants to completely cut that off. And if so, then he's made the right move. God, athletes make me so mad at times. And this is one of those times. Like, athletes do stuff like this a lot. And look, they want attention. All right, people like attention. I'm not breaking any news to anybody. People like attention. That's not just athletes. That's you and me. That's everybody. We like people talking about us and caring about us. That's just how it goes. It makes us feel special. I, I get such a kick out of when athletes unfollow teams or teammates on social media. They get asked about it. And then they're like, 
why do y'all care? Why do you guys care? So it's like, dude, you know what you're doing. This is all calculated. You want people talking about you. You want this to be a storyline. That's why you did it. So stop playing dumb when somebody asks you about it. Every athlete does this. It happens all the time. Like when they unfollow people on social media, they're trying to get a reaction because they want people talking about them. And then they'll play dumb and be like, man, why, why do you even care? Like, why, why do you even care? Well, I don't know. Shit, Justin, you're my favorite NFL team's quarterback. And you might not want to be my favorite NFL team's quarterback anymore. That's why I care. It's the most important position on the team, trying to win games. And now you're saying, like, you're unfollowing the team, which makes me think that you're not happy here and you want out? That's why I care. That's uh, it makes me so mad when athletes do that. They just they play so dumb when it comes to this stuff. And they're like, why do you care? Why do we care? Come on, man. I don't know what to take from this. I, like, it's it's ultimately not Justin Fields' call. I guess he could request a trade. I don't think he will. Like, it, it's the Bears who have the leverage here. The Bears want to take a quarterback number one. See you later, Justin. If the Bears like you and want to trade the number one pick or take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one, then you're sticking around and they're going to keep you around. So, like, that's that's who holds the cards here. This is not like a holdout contract situation. This is a, hey, literally whatever the Bears decide to do, Justin, I'm sorry, like you're victim of that. Underrated elements of the story that's being pointed out by Rob here. Why isn't the bigger story that there are people that comb through famous people's socials and track who they follow and when they unfollow them? That is so gross. <laughs> now, that, is a, that is a different level of loser, if that's your life, waiting to see who somebody is following or unfollowing and then making that a news story. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I am not the guy monitoring who follows and unfollows people, but there are people, plural, out there who do that type of stuff, obviously. And it always becomes a story because as soon as that tweet goes out, oh, shit, did y'all see who Justin Fields just unfollowed? Like, boom, that blows up. It goes viral, and it turns into this. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think ultimately the Bears move on from Justin Fields. If I were the Bears, I would move on from Justin Fields. I'm taking the unknown of any of those three quarterbacks out of college over what I think I know about Justin Fields, which is just he's, he's not going to win me a Super Bowl. Like, could he be a top 15 quarterback in football? Maybe. I don't even know if the answer to that is yes, but could he be good enough to win my team a Super Bowl? I, no, I, I don't see it. You should know by now, three years into a guy's career, if you feel good about that. And if you're still wavering back and forth, I think your answer is no. And I think that's where the Chicago Bears are right now. So we will see. But, uh, yeah, there's there's your big story. And, no, we will not let Jerry know he's available. I do not want Justin Fields in Dallas. Thank you very much. Mm, yeah, I mean, he and uh, Dak Prescott have won. No, Dak Prescott's won a little bit more in the playoffs. So it's uh, it's closer than, than it should be, though. I'm just looking at the uh, the, the middle to bottom of the draft to see which teams – would actually have enough of a quarterback need to go after Fields. Chiefs, no. 49ers, no. Ravens, no. Lions, no. Bills, no. Cardinals, I guess not. Buccaneers, debatable. Although it does seem like they are going to bring back uh, the bake show. Packers, <laughs> no. Cowboys, no. Texans, no. Eagles, no. Dolphins, no. Steelers at 20, possible. We've heard his name linked yep. to the Steelers. Rams at 19, no, probably not. Bengals, no. Jags, no at 17. Seahawks at 16, maybe. Colts at 15, not right now, I guess. Saints at 14, that could be a possibility. Rangers at 13, also a possibility. Broncos, too high. Huh? Too, too high. At 13? Yeah, like maybe, like I'm with you. Those teams make sense. But that, that's a second-round pick for a team drafting in the top half of the first round. Like, Justin Fields ain't going for that, is he? Yeah, so the cutoff point is probably Seahawks at 16. Yeah. Man. And the, the two teams I think I've seen the most, Trey, are Pittsburgh and Atlanta. Atlanta's got a top-10 pick. Like, that. that's a second-round pick for the Falcons. Or that might be, like, a first-round pick in the following year's draft or something. Oh, my God. I'd, I'd, I'd fire the GM if, if that is the deal that gets made. Um, first rounder in the following year's draft, just any for any first round pick for Justin. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, 
no one's going to get fired immediately after a trade. That never happens. But I, I think you're digging your own grave as a general manager if you trade a first-round pick, especially like top 20 for Justin Fields. Right. That's crazy to me. All right, we'll take your thoughts. Uh, go to text line 512-222-9328. What would you do if you were uh, the Chicago Bears? And uh, what do you think? is going to happen at the top of the NFL draft, which is a couple of months away. Also hit us up on the YouTube comments line as well. All right, Trey, you asked for a little bit of extra time for where are we at in society today because you've got a great story for us. Do you want to go live spot for Pest Wranglers or recorded today? I can go live with Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. Effective, reliable, affordable. That is the motto that our guy Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, came up with. When he started Pest Wranglers back in 2006, they provide exceptional customer service as well as taking care of those pest problems around your home or place of business. And wanted to remind you that right now is a good time to get out in front of mosquito season. That's right. Before long, those little blood suckers are going to be all over the place. Well, Pest Wranglers can help ebb that before it gets going. They offer eco-friendly treatments that do not target bees or butterflies and is non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes your dog sniffing around the backyard. It's effective for up to a month. It kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases, everything from dengue to yellow fever, Zika, and West Nile virus. It also works against insecticide-resistant mosquitoes, too, which is a big key. It kills adults and prohibits larvae from maturing. It is field validated with a bunch of scientific data backing it up. This is the stuff that was used in Africa for malaria control. That's how good it is. They also offer conventional mistreatment for fast knockdown. It's good for one-time treatment ahead of outdoor parties, pool parties, things like that. And it's effective for up to 21 days. There are no horrible odors from either treatment. It's also wallet-friendly too, usually less than 100 bucks per month. And as always, no contracts because of that exceptional customer service that they will bank on. PestWranglers.com for more info to get yourself signed up for that mosquito treatment service. And Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. It has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And today may actually be one of those days if I can actually find the proper tab. Oh, shit. Here we go. Oh, no. Not this again. Oh, no. The not daily that. struggle. Of Trey Elling III. I found it. I found it. I found it. It only took my fourth group of tabs to get to the tab that I needed to get to. Oh, God. Going to the San Francisco area for this next story. That's right. A positive where we at in society story from San Francisco. That's because an idiotic plan in San Francisco is completely failing before our eyes. Headline from the San Francisco Chronicle. This Bay Area school district spent $250,000 on woke kindergarten program. Test scores fell even further. Mm. A Bay Area school, elementary school, struggling to boost low test for scores and dismal student attendance, spent $250,000 in federal money for an organization called Woke Kindergarten that trains teachers to confront white supremacy, disrupt racism and oppression, and remove these barriers to learning. Woke Kindergarten sessions train teachers on concepts and curriculum that's available to use in classrooms with any of the elementary school's 474 students. The sessions are funded through a federal program meant to help the country's lowest performing schools boost student achievement. But two years into the three-year contract with Woke Kindergarten, a for-profit company, by the way, which is hilarious, student <laughs> achievement at this elementary school has gotten even worse, prompting some teachers to question whether the money was well spent given the needs of the students who are predominantly low income. Two-thirds of the students are English learners and more than 80% are Hispanic or Latino. So what better thing to do than to pump Two hundreds of thousands of dollars into pointing out the perils of white supremacy in an elementary school that doesn't even have a whole lot of white people in it versus, I don't know, maybe hooking these low-income students up with nutritious breakfasts, nutritious lunches, 
Uh, maybe some after-school programs that could help some of these kids out. No, let's just uh, focus on white supremacy here because, well, we're San Francisco and we do the stupidest thing imaginable with this sort of shit. So I, I've heard this group is anti-American. They're anti-Israel and they want to disrupt whiteness. Those are all principles slash ideologies that are promoted to kindergarten age kids. And woke kindergarten? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I hadn't even dug that deep on this idiotic organization. I mean, the fact that their name is Woke Kindergarten, just they you take anything that they say or do with a large grain of salt. But that makes sense. I mean, that tracks with what their supposed plan is to help these kids in abject poverty to do better in school is just the most cockamamie means possible. Anti-American. Yeah, it's just. What are they promoting, like socialism? Like this country is bad because, you know, your families are poor and this country doesn't do enough to take care of your families. I guess that's the the bit for a lower income school and what they're trying to teach the kids. Yeah. God, dude. So this school, before this program was instituted, only 8% of students were proficient in math for their respective grades. And only 16% were proficient in English. Since the program came into be and started teaching these teachers to focus more on white supremacy than, I don't know, the actual lessons that would help them become more proficient in English and math, those scores have gotten even worse, with now only 4% of students at this school proficient in math and 12% proficient for their grade level in English, too. I shouldn't laugh about this. Like, this is incredibly sad. Like, this is this is the future of our country, the youth of America that is uh, just being taught these ridiculous lessons instead of actually learning what they're supposed to learn in school. It, it almost feels like a lot of teachers out there are so keen on not teaching. They just want to promote their beliefs and values to these kids that that's why they get into the teaching profession. It's like, no, nah, I just want the future of our country to believe what I believe in. I don't want to actually educate the kids on like what's going to help them in this life. I just want to make sure that I'm doing my part, that this world is in good hands because these kids are going to believe in me and what I stand for. And that's like teachers going rogue doing that. Cause they're like individual teachers you hear about who do this. Yeah. The fact that this is a program, like a funded program by a district, it's like, no, to hell with actually teaching our kids how to read and write. Cause that's not important in this country. Uh, instead, we're going to teach them about how Israel sucks, how Hamas is great, how America sucks, how white people are the worst. Like what? The fact that this even got approved is mind-boggling because it wasn't just one person who had to approve this thing. This went through a number of channels to get the funding to let this thing go. It, just mind-boggling shit how dumb the adults in this country can be. Yeah, it's a race-baiting grift, and... Sadly, but not surprisingly, the officials responsible for putting this program into place, literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with this for-profit agency, uh, Woke Kindergarten. Don't be surprised that their CEO lives in a million-plus-dollar mansion, by the way. District officials that are connected to this elementary school defended the program just a week ago, saying that Woke Kindergarten did exactly what it was hired to do. The district pointed to improvements in attendance and suspension rates, and the school is no longer on the state watch list. Only to learn from the Houston or from the uh, San Francisco Chronicle that the school was not only still on the list, but also had dropped to an even lower level. So the San Francisco Chronicle, which is typically back some of the insanity that San Francisco loves to bestow on its people, is actually saying, "No, this is actually a crock of shit right now." <laughs> you guys can try and gaslight everybody else and say that this is working and. People are just mad because of the name Woke Kindergarten. The reality is, based on quantifiable metrics, as you guys have gotten even worse in all of these categories since before this program started. I mean, how, how does it work? Like, I'd love to interview one of these kids who's a part of this program and, and be like, what do they teach you in Woke Kindergarten? And you ask the kid to write something down and he just writes like F Donald Trump or something. Like, that. <laughs> that's the lesson plan. That, that's the letters they're tracing in school. They're just spelling out like anti-America stuff, anti-Republican stuff, anti like that's oh man. I would love to have a first time I think in my life I've ever said I want to have a conversation with the kindergartner 
but I, I am just so curious what is actually being taught in this school. Cause it's not the stuff that you and I learned in kindergarten. That's clear as we learned how to read and write and do some basic math. So I, I want to know like what the kids have to say about what their school is like right now. I'll, I'll tell you uh, one metric that saw an increase. That is the small percentage of white white kids at this school they're getting the shit beat out of them at recess and after school i do have some of the curriculum by the way and it speaks to uh what you just mentioned a little bit earlier mm. the woke kindergarten curriculum scare- shared with schools includes wonderings which poses questions for students including if the united states defunded the israeli military how could this money be used to rebuild palestine in addition the woke word of the day includes words like strike ceasefire and protest Offer students a, quote, language of the resistance to include children to liberatory, liberatory, liberatory vocabulary in a way that they can easily digest, understand, and most importantly, use in their critiques of the system. We're talking about fucking elementary school kids here. Dude, these are five-year-olds. Like, it's not fifth or sixth graders, which they're still way too young to be getting into discussions about this. Kindergartners. Dude. Yeah, it, it extends throughout the elementary school. It's not just kindergarten. Okay. Yeah, kindergartens are a part of this program, too. I mean, it is wild. Oh, my God. Everybody, like, somebody needs to shut down this whole organization. This thing should not exist. This cannot possibly be what we're teaching our kids, right? And this is not me like, oh, I just stand for all of the opposite end of the spectrum stuff. That No, that's not. Like, they... First graders, second graders, third graders, they have no business learning about this stuff. We don't want to corrupt them from a young age. We want to try to tell them that, you know, the world's not all that bad. Some good in the world. Not, hey, here, hate these guys. Hate these guys. Hate those guys. Like, what are we thinking? Oh, oh, man. After the San Francisco Chronicle called out the uh, the officials on backing woke kindergarten and it's approving various things, the superintendent of the district said, actually, woke kindergarten wasn't hired to improve literacy and math scores, but that, quote, helping students feel safe and whole is part and parcel of academic achievement. I get that it's more money than we would like to would like to have spent. And there's also a bunch of anonymous teachers at this school who are saying this idea is horseshit. That's not to say that racism racism isn't a bad thing. and We should teach people not to be racist. This is the opposite of that in a lot of ways. I mean, this is pure ignorance just being bestowed yeah. upon these kids, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You're being taught that way. Golly. That's, that's brutal. That's a bad bit right there uh, in a city that's had its share of bad bits in recent years, but that might be the worst one I've ever heard of. And sounds like this is a nationwide program this woke kindergarten, is this like a company that hypothetically any district could invest in? It is for profit. And yes, any district can invest in this program. Boy, they they had better be forthright. Any school district that is bringing aboard something called woke kindergarten, because I imagine pretty much any parent who hears that idiotic name is going to have some major questions that need to be answered before it's ever implemented. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like woke in the education system should kind of be separated. I don't, I don't think we should be like trying to promote that type of stuff in school. I just don't think that's what school is for. No, like, I not agree. Sp- I completely agree. We had the conversation a few weeks ago about the my kids going through uh, International Fair Day at Rick Perry Elementary School here in Cedar Park. And there are a bunch of different countries and it's cool to get to learn about other cultures. But there was one there was one country slash state who was passing out flags to everybody, yeah. everybody else was just kind of giving pamphlets out or providing information. And it was it was the Palestinian flag that all the kids who were a part of this fair got sent home with. And it's just like, I, I don't have the, the flag pride thing that everybody else does to begin with, but it's like that being the one flag, considering what's happening in that part of the world right now, it just seemed very unnecessary. Yeah, It seemed like you, you really bleeding your viewpoints over into kids who don't necessarily need to be worrying too much about that sort of thing at this point in their lives. I realize there's a point where that becomes more relevant, more important, but you're completely shitting on the idea of the international fair day by, uh, by uh, pushing your beliefs on these, these poor unassuming kids. Uh, The kids are smarter than the adults these days. I feel like sad. All right. Well, let's lighten the mood a little bit here. 
I see the fellas waiting. It's Chip. It's Zay. Gentlemen, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Oh, hey. Not much. What's cooking? How you guys doing? Good. We got a exciting show today. The one and only CC Collier joining oh. the show. Whoa. Oh yeah. Yes. What time is that? That's at 115. Sweet. Oh yeah. You get to hear about how much Zay's been lying about his high school basketball career. Huh? <laughs> I mean, no, nah, man, he's about to end all debates because some of y'all think I'm soft out here. Some of y'all think I was trash. CeCe's going to go to bat for me. At least I hope so. I mean, I am his son. <laughs> <laughs> Very confident statement yeah. he just made. Hey, I am his son. Hey, look, there's going to be a time where he's really going to need me. So you better be nice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a be nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, CC's treatment as a senior citizen all depends on this interview in February 2024. <laughs> Don't screw this one up, coach. Yeah, Your future nah. depends on it. Nah, my sister wouldn't let that happen. Even mm. if my brother would muck everything up. Thank goodness for my sister. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That'll be fun. What else? What else y'all got going on? We got, uh, of course, we'll have uh, John McClain on talking uh, off-season football combine starting up a week from um, yesterday, um, and we'll be talking some Texas football and some Texas basketball. In fact, I see uh, I see Coach Collier in the in the waiting room. So uh, we'll get out of the way then. Yeah, we're leaving we're early. Too. Excited to listen. Y'all have a great day, great show, great weekend. Appreciate y'all. Fun, CC.